Packers game day continues. In that situation, again, you know, the, the great teams uh, can finish off opponents in that situation. With Packers OT, presented by Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. As long as we take it one game at a time, don't let nothing get ahead of us, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to handle itself. Now. Hear from the fans, the players, and get updates from around the league. They can't just limit us. They can't say, hey, it's two running backs in there. They All they're going to do is run the ball. You never know what we're going to do now. So I feel like it's just giving us more and more weapons. With your host, Greg Matzik, on the Packers Radio Network. Complimentary football at its finest at Lambeau Field. The Packers pick up a 41-25 win and control a game in each and every phase against the Chicago Bears. Welcome to Packers OT, presented by Pella, Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larview, will join me. We'd also like to hear from you. We'll take your phone calls until 1 o'clock here on the Packers Radio Network at 855-616-1620. Recapping every aspect of a 41-25 win. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us on the program. Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. We'll bring in the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. Uh, Wayne, you had some fans in the stands. Uh, it seemed like they were making a little bit of noise, but uh, nonetheless, for uh, this matchup between the Packers and Bears, uh, a tremendous rebound effort by the Packers, uh, really in all phases, Wayne. I think we felt comfortable about the offense coming out of that game against Indianapolis, but really the Packers controlled the line of scrimmage and really every aspect of this game tonight. Yeah, I thought so too. And, and uh, as you know, Rocket mentioned and Coach LaFleur that this might have been their best all-around performance, you know, as a team in this particular ball game. Um, this is a good Chicago defense. They they really handled them tonight. I understand Akeem Hicks was not there, but uh, and that's a big part of it for Chicago. But nonetheless, I mean, whether he was going to be there or not, uh, the Packers really had the Bears tonight. They they came out offensively very sharp. I mentioned uh, Greg. They scored. Did the Packers on like five of their first six possessions, and not just scored. They they scored touchdowns and uh, dominated the Bears in this ball game, especially in the first half. Well, you know, Wayne, we have seen Khalil Mack wreck a game at Lambeau Field before single-handedly. Three tackles tonight for Khalil Mack. I know you can focus more attention with Hicks out, I, but none of the, the defensive studs from the Bears really popped in tonight's game. Is, is that a product of, of scheme and efficiency from the Packers on offense tonight? Yeah, I would have to give them credit for that. Yes, I, I think that is, Greg. And, you know, you're right because Roquan Smith, who is as good as any inside linebacker in the game today and playing lights out this season, um, I didn't feel like, you know, he made a major impact on this game. I don't know what you thought as you observed the game. It didn't look like he had as a big impact. Certainly Khalil Mack made a couple of rushes, but, you know, not a big impact. Um, you know, I, I, I just... Yeah, the 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 stars in that Chicago defense that were on the field, I don't think they really had the kind of game that that we were all expecting them to have. And so, um, you know, give credit to the Packers, give credit to the scheme. Uh, you know, Matt Lafleur's offense presents a lot of eye candy. There's a lot to digest at the snap of the ball for a defense, and maybe that had something to do with it. But um, I just thought an all around great performance. Aaron Rodgers was, um, you know, as good as it gets, and and uh, I. I I thought the running backs, like Matt said, uh, they ran hard tonight. You know, they really 
did, and that was nice to see. Yeah, Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, 17 carries, 90 yards on the night. Jamal Williams, 17 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And, and a lot of that was up the middle, Wayne, especially from Williams. We've come uh, accustomed to that. A hard charging couple yards, fall forward, had that 13-yard touchdown. He would not be denied. And that seems to be uh, something we've come to see this year, just a, a lot of work done in the middle of that line, the interior. And if you include all the shuffling that has happened, including tonight, that really is a testament to the offensive line and how well they've played. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Greg, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the scheme when it comes to the offensive line and the quarterback getting the ball out on time. But I, I think the more we've gone along in this season and the more changes the Packers have made on their line, um, the more you've seen the efficiency of these players playing different positions. You know, you, Elton Jenkins starts out at left guard. Next thing you know, he's in at center. You know, they've got a change in the line. They they mix and match people, and, and yet these guys have done a really good job. You know, um, they've just... I think they've been well-trained. I really do, and, and you've got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. Um, and, and, you know, I might add that one of the assistant coaches for the Packers, the assistant offensive line coach, is the nephew of Dick Butkus, the great middle linebacker of the Bears and a former colleague of mine. Uh, you know, and it's good to see them have success. It, it really is. But I think that line done, has done a remarkable job with all the changes they've gone through this year. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. If you'd like to join us on the program, just getting started here. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. You know, going into this game, Wayne, I'd wonder just how much the Bears would lean on David Montgomery. And you know that that touchdown just before halftime for Chicago. To me, that said, all right. Well, the playbook's going to remain open here. They can afford to run the ball a little bit. Uh, they don't have to deep ball their way back into this game. But at the end of the day. The yards per carry numbers were robust, 9.4 a carry. I know there was a one long run there for Montgomery, but he only carried the ball 11 times. Boy, a recipe to win against Chicago. Have Mitch Trubisky drop back 46 times. You've got to win that game if you're facing the Bears. And when you look to the matchup, Greg, I mean, you know, where were the Packers most vulnerable? It's in the ground game. It's in the running game. And it's not yards per game. It's yards per attempt. And that's where the Packers rank in the 20s. Um, so if I was, you know, Matt Nagy and, and this group, I, I was I was looking for that ground game to do more than that. I was looking to invest more than 16. If I was them, I would have invested more than 16 carries in the ground game. Now, you're right about Montgomery. He had the 57-yard burst in the first half. That was more than half of his total yardage in the game. Um, that kind of skews things. But nonetheless, you take that run out, and the Bears, who had 16 uh, rushing attempts, 122 yards, take that 57-yard run out, and they had 65 yards on 15 carries, 4.3-yard average, which is still productive. Don't get me wrong. That's still productive in the round game, but it's a lot. it doesn't look quite as bad for the Packers in that regard. 41-25, the final. The Packers have five games left in the regular season. And uh, let's see if I'm counting. They'd see they a lot of sub-500 teams on the schedule here. You've also got a three-game cushion uh, in the NFC North. So uh, the win today for the Packers not only keeps them on top of the NFC North, Wayne, but pulls the Vikings into a second-place tie with the Chicago Bears. I think by a circumstance of the tiebreaker, Minnesota's actually in second. Uh, but a nice padding here going into the, the final stretch. And three of their next five, three of their final five, will be at Lambeau. 
Yes, and, you know, the one big team coming in is Tennessee and King Henry uh, coming to Lambeau Field. And, oh, and by the way, they'll run the ball, you know, the Titans. They'll run the ball, Greg, a few more times in 16, you know. So um, that's uh, that's down the road. Uh, you're exactly right. The Packers are very much in control of the division with a three-game lead, five games to go. Um, the other factor is this. New Orleans is 9-2, and two, okay? Now, we talked about New Orleans at the start of the season. New Orleans is the best team on paper in the NFC. And it's not really close. Uh, but uh, they they weren't playing that well when the Packers were down there, and the Packers took advantage of it and, and beat them in New Orleans. So, you know, the Packers are only one game behind the Saints now in the race for that uh, uh, that one bye that you have in each conference, at least if the playoffs are, are configured the way they are with seven teams in each conference making the playoffs. Now, could move to eight. The league has, a, you know, has the, well, they have the wherewithal. They have uh, the permission to do that. They can move it to an eight-game, um, eight team playoff in each conference and if they do that then there are no buys for anybody but right now seven teams will make it in the nfc seven teams will make it in the afc and the number one seed will get a buy in each conference um the packers are still very much involved with that and they have the tiebreaker over new orleans they're only one game behind saints have some tough games coming up as well seattle sitting there at seven and three tampa bay now seven and four the rams are seven and four it was a good day in many respects for the packers in their playoff um, positioning when you look at Arizona losing, the Rams losing, Tampa Bay getting uh, hammered. You know, those are not getting hammered, but they were they lost to Kansas City. Those were, were big plays uh, for the Packers. Yeah, it is kind of interesting in the NFC, Wayne. I, if you had asked who's the best team in the NFC, week number three, week number four, you might have said Green Bay. Week number seven, you might have said Tampa Bay. Week number 12, you might say New Orleans. I, I think that is a, a microcosm of this conference. Last year, it felt like San Francisco and a pretty wide gap, and then the rest of the NFC. This year it seems more compressed, and on any given week, uh, your answer to who's the cream of the crop in the NFC could change. Right now it does appear to be New Orleans, but I, who knows, right? Uh, in three weeks from now, that could be a different story. Yeah, and understand New Orleans beat a team that was playing without a quarterback today, okay, up in Denver. So, you know, I mean, you're exactly right. Greg, the greatest example, the most recent example I can make of that, Indianapolis coming off a dramatic overtime win over Green Bay last week gets set to welcome Tennessee to town. They just beat Tennessee two weeks ago in Tennessee, and what happened? You know, the Titans uh, put, what, 45 on the board against that defense? Just absolutely hammered them in Indianapolis. And so this is such a week-to-week league. Uh, it, it really is. And, you know, if you're not Kansas City, um, if you're not Pittsburgh, uh, you're you're living week to week. You're up one week. You're down the next week. You're, you're going to the Super Bowl one week. You're wondering if you'll ever win a game again the next week. That's what this league is all about. Forty-one twenty-five. The final eight five five six one six one six twenty. If you'd like to join us, Green Bay scoring twenty-one points in the second quarter. That really fueled the win. Granted, Chicago did score before the end of the half to uh, make things more cosmetically appealing, and then fifteen fourth quarter points. But this was really a dominant effort from the Packers tonight. And, you know, the numbers that really stood out, you can pick apart the final numbers any way you want, Wayne, but the the work done in the red zone and on third and even fourth down for the Packers tonight, this is where the Bears typically shine, and the Packers really had no issue in those two categories. 
Greg, I think you're right. If, if you're a, somebody who hadn't seen this game, uh, didn't know what happened, just saw the final score, and you wanted to know how and why, and, and you looked at that matchup, and you're exactly right. I mean, third downs for the Packers, I think the Bears are giving up 33% conversions on third downs defensively, and the Packers are 6 of 11 tonight uh, uh, on those uh, uh, third downs, 3 for 3 on fourth down, um, and in the red zone, four touchdowns and five trips into the red zone uh, for the Packers. That's uh, That says a lot. 182 yards on the ground as well 211 passing for Aaron Rodgers very balanced effort here tonight for the Green Bay Packers Packers now eight and three four and one at home the Bears fall to five and six you know this was an opportunity Wayne given what happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier today losing to Kansas City all of a sudden they have another loss on their ledger the Bears are looking at this thing saying hey we go six and five all of a sudden things get really interesting in the NFC uh, but they were flat from the get-go, and, and Green Bay certainly uh, was on the attack. Yeah, and surprisingly so they were flat from the get-go, Greg. Uh, you know, you, you sit there and you wonder, I think people, when they were 5-0 and or whatever it was, they were 4-0 and or something like that, people were wondering, what's, gone, what, what's the deal with the Bears? And you kept looking at the teams they were beating, and they, they weren't very good. Uh, but, you know, this four-game losing streak now, and you know, I, I just, yeah, this is the type of thing, you know, the Bears now have lost five in a row. Um, and, and you really see the vulnerabilities on this football team. That offense just doesn't have it. They don't have the quarterback. And, and if you think it would have been any different with Nick Foles, it would have been worse with Nick Foles tonight. I watched the last three Bears games uh, in, in film study, and he was awful. He was terrible. They, I thought they were getting a break with Trubisky playing tonight, and obviously he did the Mitch things that he normally does. But um, th- this is an offense, and Larry's mentioned it, th- this seems like a broken offense in Chicago. Yeah. In many respects, it was just 11 carries for maybe their best player uh, on offense, not named Allen Robinson. That was David Montgomery. Not enough for the Bears tonight. The Packers offense, very crisp in this win, 41-25. We'll keep going with Wayne coming up following the break. We'll also get your phone calls at 855-616-1620. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Packers OT is presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. At Pella, get no money down and no payments and no interest for 24 months, plus 5% same-day order savings at your initial consultation. For details, visit PellaWI.com. Greg Matzik, voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, with you and taking your calls until 1 o'clock at 855-616-1620. Wayne, have you ever read War and Peace before? That takes a minute, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> takes a while. For someone like me, it takes years. I, Wayne, I've got to ask you something, because you have called uh, probably more games in this storied history between the Packers and Bears than any one individual on planet Earth. At one point in this series, the Bears led 81 wins to the Packers' 57 Yet the Packers are first to 100 in this storied rivalry. Pretty amazing stuff. It's amazing when you consider how long the Packers' dominance has been in this run. I mean, this rivalry's always been about streaks, you know. The Bears dominated for a long time, and that's how they built that big lead you just talked about. And then, you know, the Packers had come back, and they dominate in periods. Uh, Lombardi Packers did well against the Bears, and Lombardi made this uh, this game a special emphasis every uh, every week. You read Jerry Kramer's book, Instant Replay, and, and Bears week was, like, bigger than the Super Bowl, much bigger. And so, you know, I mean, it, it, the points of emphasis in, in this series and the different uh, ebb and flow of this series, uh, I've seen it. I saw the 
Bears dominating in the uh, mid-80s into the early 90s. And then when Brett Favre got here, uh, things began to change. Uh, not right away, but they did change. And um, now Favre followed by Rodgers. You've had 25-plus years of dominance by Green Bay, and that's how the Packers got to be to the 100-yard mark ahead of the Bears when, you know, like you said, 25 years ago, didn't look like that would be close to possible. 855-616-1620. Let's uh, grab a phone call here. It's Bill in Canton, Ohio. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Bill. Hello again. Uh, I appreciate uh, you taking my calls and all the other fans. Uh, You know, I was wondering about uh, maybe a a little bit of an injury update on Lindsley, Savage, and Lazard. Uh, They went down in the game, and I'm concerned, of course, like all Piper fans. And just I, I know they have to go to MRI or whatever later, but I was wondering if we have any news on that. Yeah, Savage um, talked about a back injury, Wayne. He came back in the game. Yeah. Lin- Lindsley's the, the bigger concern here, right? That, that looked a little awkward, getting rolled up on at the offensive line. Yeah, that's a leg injury. He's had a back problem. I thought when he first went down, it might have been his back. You know, uh, back problems are anybody who's had back issues. They're chronic. They they don't go away. They're a part of you for the rest of your life. So you know, he's always going to have that. But um, you know, I think this one was a leg injury, and he just was not going to be able to come back into the game. I, I think Lazard was okay, but um, they held him out. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, again, the, these guys will be questionable as we go into the week, but uh, uh, no, no word post game out of the uh, locker room on the status of these guys for the week going forward. So we'll just have to wait and see until they come back Wednesday at practice. You know, I, one guy's name we didn't mention too much tonight, or, or you guys didn't, you and Larry, uh, was John Runyon. You mentioned when he came into the game because there was some shifting going on, uh, but to your point earlier, the Bears have some folks on the front. And John Runyon, it seems like every time he's been called to step in, it's just been steady. Maybe unspectacular, but you're not mentioning him for things that sometimes rookie offensive linemen get get their name brought up for, and that's holding and missed assignments and whatnot. It just seems steady with him, Wayne. Well, you know, his dad was a player in this league for many, many years, um, mostly, I believe, with Philadelphia. And this, you can tell with this Runyon kid that the stage, the lights are not too bright for him. You know what I mean? Um, the stage is not too big for him. Um, you know, sure, does he have a lot to learn? I'm sure he does. I'm sure they're working with him on different things, and, and he needs to gain experience at this level and all that. But but the, the one thing that, that he's not like most rookies, they come in and the stage can be too bright, too big for them. That's not the case with this kid. So I think that bodes well for him. You know, he, he if he develops, I mean, they could have a solid player here for what? It was your fifth-round draft choice, Greg. It escapes me at the moment. But, uh, you know, that's that's a nice pickup if that's the case. You know, and you can develop offensive linemen. You really can. And, you know, some of the great ones are picked in the first round, but not a lot of them. David Bakhtiari wasn't a first-round draft choice, and he's the best offensive tackle in the game today. So, you know, um, I, I, the Runyon kid, the the task is not too big for him. Yeah, and run, that's a good sign. Running was the first of three sixth-round picks. And, and to your point, Wayne, David Bakhtiari, TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, from Ted Thompson to – uh, Brian Gutekunst, they they have a knack for finding offensive linemen who can not only contribute but shine uh, in the mid round level. Even Corey Lindsley was a fifth round pick. Sure, yeah, and and he's as good as it gets. Boy, if that kid could stay healthy, and and you know he's had a, he's been healthy in his career, but this season's been tough for him. Uh, but this is a, he's a very good player, Greg. He's top five center in the league, I think.
855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us on the program. Ray in Illinois joins us next on Packers OT. Hi, Ray. Hey, hey, Greg. Hey, Wayne. How you guys doing tonight? Great. Great. Good. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Wayne, first of all, uh, my wife and I are both uh, totally blind, and we really appreciate you and Larry's call. So thank you very much for what you guys do. Oh, thank you. Um. Um, I wanted to uh, two things actually that came to mind. One, I when I first saw Montgomery make that 57-yard run, I was kind of like, "Here we go again." But I really loved how the defense rallied to the ball. I mean, they allowed some yards, but they really rallied to the ball after that and kept the uh, Bears' running attack pretty much in check. And then the other thing that really impressed me, and I thought about it after while I was on hold, is the 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 way they kept the ball away pretty much from Cor, from uh, Cordell Patterson, Cordero Patterson, and didn't let him, you know, put a spark into the Bears and perhaps kind of change that game around. It was really impressive both those things tonight. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And you know, I, watching the tape and studying the Bears in their last three games or so, Cordero Patterson played a much greater role in the games I, I had seen. And tonight, he really didn't. Uh, you know, Mason was kicking away from him at times, that type of thing. He had a couple of returns here tonight, but nothing spectacular. And the Packers were ready on special teams. I thought it was their best coverage night of the season. Um, uh, you know, covering kicks and and punts and that type of thing. And, and and so I think they were up for the challenge, but uh, the strategy to keep it away from him I think was really good. He had two kickoff returns, averaged 20.5 yards per return, came in averaging 30 yards a return. So I, I think that was really good. And even when the Bears got him in the offensive backfield, I thought they would do a little bit more with him there. Um, they tossed him the football once or twice, but he didn't have much of an impact on the ball game there, nor did he get many opportunities. Two carries for eight yards, that was it. So this is a major playmaker that I thought the Bears basically – decided to go without and, you know, and you know part of it was the Packers and what their strategy was but the other factor was the Bears did not put him in a position to help them and sometimes a guy like that gets a little antsy Wayne I think he brought one out from you know 105 yards away from the opposite end zone oh no no but no you know that's, what I mean? his, that's what he does yeah Greg. no no that's not being antsy I've seen him return kicks from the back line of the end zone I I saw him do it to the Packers and uh, I believe it was 2013 in Minneapolis 109 yard kickoff return touchdown and so, you know, I, he, he does that a lot. And watching the tapes of them, if the ball's only five yards deep, he's coming out of there with it. And, you know, tonight, not so much. But um, I think a lot of it had to do with the placement Mason used uh, tonight in the ball game. I, I asked Mason a couple of years ago, when was the last time a coach really yelled at you? And he said he kicked the ball to Cordero Patterson. That was the last time a coach really yelled at him. That guy can wreck a game. Uh, once you start getting near double digits with kickoff returns for touchdown, that is not an accident yeah. anymore. No, no and, he's got eight. Yeah, that's impressive stuff. That is impressive stuff. As was the Packers win tonight, 41-25. We'll continue to take your calls here, 855-616-1620. You get to stay home, Wayne. Well, I guess the Packers do as well with the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town, and, and that's sort of a sign of things to come here a lot of nfc opponents on the schedule from here on out you mentioned the tennessee titans that's by far and away the best team the packers will see from now until the playoffs otherwise it's a it's a lot of sub 500 teams the packers will face including the bears and lions 
And, and Greg, you know, good teams take care of business, don't they? I mean, hey, you don't apologize for who's on your schedule. You can't do anything about it. All you can do is beat them. And that's uh, the Packers under and Matt LaFleur have done that more often than not, haven't they? That's been part of the key to this whole thing. You beat the teams you should beat, and, and that's what it's all about, especially at home. Well, 7-0 and is Matt LaFleur after a loss. He has yet to lose back-to-back games as head coach of the Packers. So they, they got a little rebound and resolve in them, Wayne, if nothing else, don't they? Indeed they do, and that's a, that's, that means something. Uh, that's, that's a good sign on, on the coaching staff. That tells you they have a good staff that's taking care of uh, what they need to do to get the team to come back from a loss, especially a disappointing loss like that game in, in Indianapolis where the Packers did a lot of things well and just uh, you know the turnovers just ended up killing them in the end. Wayne, always a treat to listen to you and Larry. Drive safe. We'll talk again next week. Sounds great, Greg. Take care. All the best to Wayne Larry, voice of the Green Bay Packers. We'd love to hear from you on the program. We'll take your calls until 1 o'clock at 855-616-1620. A rather comfortable win for the Packers tonight. Win number 100 in the storied history of the Bears-Packers rivalry. And it goes to the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I, this is not a misprint. Packers once trailed in this rivalry 81-57, to yet they are the first team to 100. That's a lot of Brett Favre and a lot of Aaron Rodgers uh, in that time frame, no doubt about it. 855-616-1620. We're back with more after this. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Chevrolet is proud to be the best-selling brand in Wisconsin and the official vehicle of the Green Bay Packers. Trust Chevy on your team. Visit your local Chevy dealer today. Greg Matzik with you. Packers OT is presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us on the program, we'll take your calls until 1 o'clock. So that was touchdown number two of the night. You just heard it coming back to Mercedes Lewis, the first offensive play of the second quarter for the Packers. It capped a nine-play, 75-yard drive in a little over five minutes. And this was a common theme for the Packers' offense today. Time-consuming drives, multiple plays, 70 yards plus, and it started right from the start. 14 plays, 75 yards in seven and a half minutes for the first touchdown. Nine plays, 75 yards in the very second drive for the second touchdown. The third drive, also very impressive, and ultimately the Packers just seemed like they were able to move the ball at will tonight and it it is a go for it league now the bears entered tonight's game the best in the business in the red zone and the best in the business on defense on third down and this is really an area where the packers uh have by and large done pretty well i know the numbers on third and short have not really been in the packers favor so much this year but by and large on third down they've been pretty good this season third down efficiency six for eleven today for the packers and three of three on fourth down It is a go-for-it league, more so now than ever. You see it all over the league. People don't like to punt anymore unless they absolutely have to, but if you're on the 40-yard line, maybe just on the better side of the 50, and you've got a fourth and four or better, chances are Matt LaFleur is going to dial up a play instead of kicking it away. So you saw it on multiple occasions tonight. Add it all together, it's 9 of 14 for the Packers on third and fourth down against a team that is better at stopping opposing teams' offenses in those situations than any other team in the league, according to the numbers. So really not much challenge for the Packers and their ability to move the ball tonight. 
and balance. 211 yards passing for Aaron Rodgers, 182 on the ground. The defense, of course, pitching in with a touchdown and forcing three turnovers on the evening. Packers did a much better job taking care of the ball tonight, and that was an issue against Indianapolis. It showed up against Jacksonville, albeit in a Packers win. Indianapolis a better team than the Bears and Jacksonville, and uh, it bit them. It bit Green Bay. The second half bit Green Bay last week against Indianapolis. Turnovers were an issue. Today, not an issue. The Packers were able to score 14 points in the third quarter. They had been held scoreless in the third quarter in four of their last six games. So a dramatic turnaround here for the Packers tonight against a team, quite frankly, they are better than, and they should beat, especially at home, regardless if they're fans or not. Green Bay should beat Chicago any day of the week in this particular season, especially with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. 855-616-1620. Mike is in Oshkosh joining us next on Packers OT. Hello, Mike. Hey, how you doing? All right, thanks. What's going on? Um, you know, before this game, uh, all of us, TMJ in, in Wisconsin and the entire NFL community around the country said that uh, it was going to be about the Packers' offense and the Bears' defense. But as it turns out, it was about the Packers' offense and the Packers' defense and special teams. Um, I, I thought the Bears were going to bring more to it. Obviously, they're missing a, a guy or two, as you guys keep saying. But uh, what do you think about the completeness of it? Is, is The thing I'm having a hard time discerning, because it's a Packer-Bear game and you can toss out the records, as we know, from our lifetimes. But what I'm trying to understand is, is it more because the Packers are that complete or because the Bears are lacking, obviously, Trubisky? What say you? Appreciate the phone call, Mike. You know, if, if this performance came a week ago on the road against Indianapolis, wow, eyes would be opened. If this performance resurrects itself against Tennessee later this season in December at Lambeau Field with Derrick Henry, who when it turns November, December, it seems like he's popping off for 150 every time he goes out to take the field or more, then you're opening your eyes and saying, yep, team's getting hot at the right time. It's against the Bears, a team that wasn't exactly sure who they were going to start at quarterback. It's kind of the lesser of two evils and and maybe the healthiest in, in Mitch Trubisky. He did not play well tonight, and he has not played well as a member of the Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky dropping back 46 times is not how the Bears are going to win football games. 11 carries for David Montgomery, who, aside of Allen Robinson, was probably the best player on the field in a Bears uniform tonight. Or at least the most effective, and that includes defense. So this is the kind of game you hope to see against an inferior opponent. Now, I did not think the Packers would score 41 points. Granted, six of those, plus the extra point, can be attributed to the defense. So, okay, Uh, we'll be generous. We'll take away six, seven points. We'll take it down into the mid-30s. That's still an impressive performance against the Chicago Bears. And when you couple it with what the Packers were able to do against Indianapolis, remember, that was supposed to be strength on strength as well. The Packers' potent offense, the Indianapolis Colts' stingy defense, top-rated defense in the league, holding teams to fewer than 20 points a game. That was what we heard about the Colts going into last weekend's game. And if it weren't for some carelessness and sloppy turnovers, you feel like the Packers probably should have won that game. Uh, But the offense has clearly found something here. And I I don't think it's a coincidence 
that with Alan Lazard back, with Aaron Jones healthy, really aside of Tyler Irvin and A.J. Dillon, this offense has its weapons at full strength. And MVS, who has been such a key part of the offense the last couple of weeks, especially with Alan Lazard out, I don't know that he was even targeted tonight. I'll go back and check the box score, but it was a very quiet night for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You might even see him get an end around or something. No, you didn't see that tonight. It was Equinemia St. Brown getting a carry for seven yards and two receptions for 39 yards. The Bears are the kind of team that plays a lot of too high safety. So those opportunities to go deep with your deep threat, which MVS is, that wasn't really there tonight. I think there was a, a pop occasion to Devontae Adams that ended up being incomplete, but very few deep balls downfield. I'm talking about beyond 25 yards from Aaron Rodgers tonight. So, you know, the one aspect that MVS really shines in that's more challenging against the Bears' defense, but you didn't need it because you had Adams. You had EQ doing a little work. Robert Tanyan caught a deep ball, 39. That was the deep ball to Tanyan, catching a, a tight end who was in a down stance. He was... You know, basically looking at at a defensive lineman or linebacker ahead of him. He just ran a nice route through the middle of the field, found his way to the seam and into the end zone. So very complete performance on offense. And because of the offense and what they were able to do in scoring 27 points in building a 27-10 to 10 lead at the half, it didn't render the Bears' offense one-dimensional, but, but it certainly looked like it became that eventually. Uh, and that was due in part to a, a goose egg in the third quarter. So uh, it was a pass-happy fourth quarter. The Bears put up 15 points to make things more cosmetically appealing, perhaps, the Bears fans. But this was a complete win for the Green Bay Packers tonight on its home field. And it it should be, right? This is a game the Packers absolutely should have won and did in convincing fashion. I did not expect 41 points, but a very convincing win nonetheless. 855-616-1620. We'll go back through some of the numbers and highlights of tonight's game. Coming up on the other side, Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Tonight's turning point of the game presented by your Wisconsin Toyota dealers. Toyota-thon is on, and it's time to ring in the season with a stylish new ride from Toyota. Gotta hurry, though. The incredible savings won't last. Toyota, let's go places. Mitch Trubisky hooked up with Darnell Savage a couple of times tonight. That interception by Darnell Savage, I'm calling it the turning point of the game. It ultimately led to a Packers touchdown and put them ahead 22-3. So after a nice drive by the Bears to start on offense, resulted in a field goal. They had points on the board. Remember, the Packers missed the extra point after their initial touchdown. So it was only 6-3. And then a touchdown by the Packers, turnover by the Bears, Touchdown by the Packers, and boom. They were off to the races. So that is tonight's turning point of the game. Darnell Savage's interception of Mitch Trubisky in the end zone, resulting in a Packers touchdown several plays later. 13 plays later. 13 plays. Can we count at home? Shall we do this? 14 plays on drive number one, touchdown. Nine plays, 75 yards on drive number two, touchdown. 13 plays, 80 yards on drive number three, touchdown. You're talking about 15 carry the one over 20 minutes time of possession in the first half on those three drives belonging to the Green Bay Packers. Really, one drive of significance 
for the Bears in the first half. It resulted in a touchdown just before halftime, 14 plays, 87 yards. Otherwise, it was a lot of self-sabotage by the Bears tonight. And, you know, the Bears' offense is not good enough to come back from holding penalties and drop balls and mistakes, turnovers. They, They cannot rebound from that quite like Indianapolis did. Indianapolis had, what, five penalties, five holding penalties in a span of eight plays? I've never seen anything quite like that. But they're a more talented outfit on offense, better quarterback, and they were able to not only hang in, but erase a double-digit lead and ultimately win a game at home a week ago. And the Bears aren't built for that. So the turnover resulting in a touchdown are turning point in tonight's 41-25 win. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Noah joins us next from Bloomer here on Packers OT. Hi, Noah. Hey, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Just getting out of work, heading home, figured I'd call in. Awesome. Good to have you, man. Uh, my question is, going forward, I guess, uh, how are we feeling against some of the better running teams in the NFL, like Tennessee and Derrick Henry? And I know we seem to have a lot of trouble with teams that can control like time of possession on the ball. Seems like I know Kenny Clark getting him back is huge, but how are we feeling going into the playoffs like last year in San Francisco? I don't want something like that to happen again. Well, you're only going to have one opportunity, Noah, before the playoffs to see a playoff-caliber team, and and that'll be Tennessee coming up in December. It's a home game, but I I feel like Tennessee travels really well. What I mean by that is they can run the ball, and they're built to smash teams. We saw what they did in the playoffs last year. Derrick Henry ran wild again today. Uh, They obliterated the Indianapolis Colts, and maybe it was a bit of a hangover following an emotional win a week ago. But that's a key division matchup, Titans and Colts. And Tennessee just ran all over Indianapolis today. Uh, A convincing 35-14 win. Derrick Henry was a man-child once again. Yes, he freaks me out. And, you know, I, I don't come out of this game and say, okay, well, everything has been solved. I, I really don't. Now, from the offensive standpoint, look, if you're going to beat the Packers, you better be able to score some points. Holding the Packers under 30 is a challenge. So you have to be able to run it up on them a little bit. The best way to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines is by controlling the football, using the ground game to do so. And Derrick Henry is maybe the ultimate game control back in the NFL. And they do a lot of play action. You're going to see some similarities between the two offenses in Green Bay and in Tennessee. And yes, of course, Matt LaFleur, very familiar with the operation in Tennessee, very familiar with Coach Mike Vrabel, very familiar with Derrick Henry. I feel like it's a different Derrick Henry than when Matt LaFleur last saw him, however. Uh, So yes, a player like that, a team like that, you have to find ways to beat them because those are the kinds of teams you're going to see in the playoffs. You're not going to see Chicago, I don't believe, in the playoffs. You're not going to see Detroit. I don't think you're going to see Philadelphia, and if you do, they are likely to be a sub-500 team. It's the NFC East, ladies and gentlemen. That division just doesn't seem to have it. So I, I don't look at this game tonight and say, yep, problem solved. The defense has turned around. The defense had a solid performance against an anemic offense. 
And David Montgomery still, on 11 carries, had over 100 yards. Granted, 57 came on one carry, but you still can't allow that one carry to happen because a better team's going to put the ball in the end zone instead of kicking a field goal when they have the ball inside the 10-yard line. So, yes, Derrick Henry freaks me out. He should freak everybody out. Nobody wants to tackle that guy as you see it day in and day out. Defensive players make business decisions when Derrick Henry is coming at him with a full head of steam. So that's to come. Prior to that, the Packers will take on the Philadelphia Eagles. They'll travel to Detroit and have a home game on Saturday, December 19th. That's right, Saturday, against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are 4-8. and eight. The Lions are 4-7. and seven. Philadelphia is 3-6-1. and one. Tennessee is 8-3. and three. The Bears are now 5-6. and six. So the only team aside of Tennessee that could even be 500 or better at the time they play Green Bay would be the Bears in Week 17. So the schedule favors the Packers, but can they prove their ability to knock off a team like Tennessee, who you could say is just as good, maybe even a titch better than the Green Bay Packers? There's an argument to be had, but they can certainly run the ball. There's no question about that. 855-616-1620. We'll wrap up our number one of the program on the other side and welcome you back as well at 855-616-1620. Packers Radio, presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. At Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, get no money down, no payments, and no interest for 24 months, plus 5% same-day order savings at your initial consultation. For details, visit PellaWI.com. Wrapping up our number one of Packers OT, we'd love to hear from you in hour number two. We'll take you till one o'clock at 855-616-1620. That touchdown pass to Alan Lazard was a thing of beauty. We have seen this formation from Matt LaFleur throughout the season. I, I want to say on drive number one, game number one, and it was to Josiah DeGuara. Lined up as a tight end on the left side of the formation. He comes behind the line of scrimmage and into the right flat, and he's open for a, a nine to 12 yard gain. That play, that set has been on repeat for the Packers this season. And it's been a beauty, uh, a beautiful thing to watch, whether it's Jay Sternberger or Robert Tunyon or DeGuara when he was healthy catching those passes. That is a staple of the Matt LaFleur offense. So on that Alan Lazard touchdown, I had noted, I, th- I think it was Lazard. No, it wasn't Lazard. It was uh, Tunyon who came in motion uh, running that same action into the flat, and the Bears ate it up. They had it well defended. And Rodgers was able to just uh, elude traffic and pivot back to his right. And as the flow of the play was moving toward the left, Lazard just sort of sneaked into the end zone and bled off to the right a little bit and was wide open for a touchdown. They get more action out of that motion play, and it's become such a staple, such a bread-and-butter play in the Packers' offense. It affords you the opportunity to feed somebody else the ball once attention is being drawn toward the man in motion, who is more often than not the tight end in that particular set. So uh, a very well-designed play. Uh, credit the Bears for taking away Aaron's first read, but you know, Aaron's a pretty darn good quarterback. He's going to find a way, and he certainly did tonight. On repeat, 211 yards passing for Aaron Rodgers, but four touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, and another big fat zero in the sack department. This has been amazing to watch. I, I cannot underscore this enough. The Packers' success on offense is due in large part 
to Aaron's ability to stay upright. In 10 of the 11 games played this season, Aaron has been sacked zero or one time. Now keep in mind, the Packers' offensive line has been a bit of a revolving door. David Bottieri had that chest and rib issue. Corey Lindsley left tonight's game. We've seen Elton Jenkins play center on a couple of occasions. John Runyon's getting pulled off the bench and into duty and performing well. Rick Wagner, Billy Turner, you name it, right? It just If they're on the roster as an offensive lineman and healthy, they've probably seen some stats this year. So that is an amazing number. The team that really got after Rodgers was Tampa Bay. Uh, they frustrated him, and not a coincidence, it was the Packers' worst performance this season, turnovers and the like. Uh, but pretty amazing with the offensive line movement. To remain upright, 10-11 games, that's a credit to the offensive line, a credit to Rodgers' ability to get rid of the ball, and also a credit to Matt LaFleur's scheme, which I would say the Packers feel pretty comfortable in here in year number two, especially at the quarterback position. 41-25, the final. we still got an hour to go here on Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. We'd love to hear from you. We do have an open line at 855 616-1620. You can also text us at that line, by the way. We'll read some of those on the program. We'll get through the numbers from tonight's game and hear from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur coming up in our number two. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Packers game day continues. In that situation, again, you know, the, the great teams... Uh, can finish off opponents in that situation. With Packers OT, presented by Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. As long as we take it one game at a time, don't let nothing get ahead of us, uh, you know, stuff like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to handle itself. Now, hear from the fans, the players, and get updates from around the league. They can't just limit us. They can't say, hey, it's two running backs in there. They All they're going to do is run the ball. You never know what we're going to do now. So I feel like it's just giving us more and more weapons. With your host, Greg Matzik, on the Packers Radio Network. Four touchdown passes for Aaron Rodgers. Three turnovers forced by the defense and a score of their own. Packers cruise the victory over the Bears 41-25 at Lambeau Field, improving to 8-3 in the process. Chicago falls to 5-6. Our number two of Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. At Pella, get no money down, no payments, and no interest for 24 months, plus 5% same-day order savings at your initial consultation. For details, visit PellaWI.com. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us in the program, got a little less than one hour to get your thoughts in following tonight's win. Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers following tonight's win, a 40 40- 125 victory for the Packers. As I mentioned before, four touchdowns for Rodgers, 211 yards passing. Tim Boyle ended up finishing the game for Green Bay. Uh, but another brilliant performance, very efficient for Rodgers. You know, the deep ball's not often there against the Chicago Bears defense that plays a lot of too high safety. Uh, there were a couple of opportunities. Rodgers dialing one up to Robert Tunyon. Uh, just missed on Devontae Adams on a deep ball. Uh, over the middle in the second half. But nonetheless, a very efficient performance by Rodgers tonight and really the Packers' offense in general. And this was behind an offensive line that was forced to scramble a little bit with Corey Lindsley leaving the game. Uh, There are some early reports that it doesn't appear to be a season-ending issue for Corey Lindsley. 
I'm not sure exactly what that means, but we'll likely find out throughout the week. But with Elton Jenkins at center, it didn't really seem like the Packers missed a beat. Uh, And with John Runyon, the rookie, sixth-round pick coming in, same thing. Packers' offensive line just kept playing at a high level. Keeping Aaron Rodgers upright, he was awfully proud of the group in front. Uh, For a soon-to-be 37-year-old, I mean, that's my dream. I mean, that's... That's an amazing feeling to go go home and uh, not be feeling like a almost thirty seven year old. And I've been feeling really really good all season, so I appreciate those boys up front. And the importance of tonight's game not only is it a division rival in Chicago, but you've got an opportunity to separate from teams in the division. Packers have done so with a win tonight. Now a three game advantage over the five and six Vikings and five and six Chicago Bears. You also, for the time being, hold on to that number two seed in the NFC and maintain a one game deficit to New Orleans. Now again, depending how the tiebreakers work, if it's just the Packers and New Orleans at the end of the year with the same amount of wins and losses, Green Bay owns the tiebreaker. Once you start to add three, four, maybe even five teams into that mix, then the tiebreaker system, it gets a little wonky. Head-to-head may not be the first tiebreaker you have to pay attention to. We'll worry about that when we get that far. Nonetheless, it's a very important game for the Packers tonight, especially considering last week's loss to Indianapolis. I think uh, we downplayed it in the right way to not put any added pressure on ourselves. Um, but huge uh, momentum for us winning this one. Uh, as far as the division is concerned, and, and obviously we're in the mix for the top seed as well. Also, Aaron Rodgers praising Matt LaFleur tonight, and uh, he must have said it three or four times that the game plan was on point, the scheme was where it needed to be, and just an all-in-all uh, outstanding effort collectively on offense tonight against Chicago. You know, we had a really good plan, and it was executed great, which the coaches don't have a part in, but... Uh, the plan that was laid out in front of us, I think we all felt really good about. And I think Matt dialed up a really uh, beautiful, uh, beautifully called game tonight. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us, Jennifer is on the line from Antigo. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I guess I was wondering why the refs didn't call um, on a defenseless player for Lazard's injury play. So I, this was uh, the play Alan Lazard came across the middle, Aaron led him a little bit, and he just he, he ran right into a defender, right, and just got, he got thrown back, right, jarred. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I watched that play, Jennifer, and I, I, I didn't have the, the initial reaction of, man, you got to throw a penalty. I wasn't looking for the flag. There's a couple of things I look for. Number one, is there a spearing motion from the defender? Is there some sort of unnecessary uh, wrap-up and driving to the turf? Is there a helmet lead or anything like that? To me, Aaron led Allen in a spot where the defender just sort of stood there and kind of threw a shoulder into him. So I, to me, that, that, that lives as, a, as an okay play. I'm sure it didn't feel good. Uh, it'll ring the jelly beans up in the noggin a little bit. I, I did not think it was a flag. I did not think it was a flag. I, I thought tonight's game was overall, it was really no issues with officiating. Yeah, a couple calls here and there that you thought maybe could have benefited the Packers, right? They, I think they got away with one maybe uh, on a Mitch Trubisky sack in which uh, Trubisky's face mask was 
grabbed maybe a couple of occasions. Even if it's a five-yard variety, that ends up being a a first down uh, for the Bears instead of a, a, a fourth-down punt situation. So I, I thought it was okay. I didn't like it for Allen. Looked like it hurt. But I thought it was okay. 855-616-1620. But uh, I'm glad you bring up Alan Lazard, Jennifer, because we had wondered since the New Orleans Saints game just what Alan Lazard was going to be in this offense. We saw a glimpse of it against the Saints, and it was an outstanding performance. And and Alan flashed last year on a couple of occasions. But without him in the offense, what exactly were you missing? You were missing an outstanding blocker. You are missing a guy who has shown the ability to go deep. He did it in the Saints game. And a guy who I also think Aaron Rodgers has tremendous confidence in on third downs. So when there's bracket coverage on Devontae Adams, when they're trying to take him out of the game, well, you've got Alan Lazard. He's sort of a safety blanket, but that's not meant to mean he can't be explosive because he certainly can. So having Alan Lazard back, there is a trickle-down effect. Now Marquez Valdez-Scantling, instead of being a number two receiver, becomes a number three receiver. And Equinemia St. Brown, instead of being a number three, becomes a number four. So the the trickle-down effect, I think, is significant when Alan Lazard is back on the field. Now, very interesting tonight, if you look at the box score, typically you'll see Aaron Jones... Jamal Williams, maybe number two, three, somewhere in there in terms of receiving. Aaron Jones had one reception for no yards. Jamal Williams did not have a reception tonight. And it didn't matter. That's the depth of the Packers offense. At this time last season, Aaron Jones was the best receiver the Packers had because Devontae Adams was injured. Aaron Jones became the number one wide receiver. The stats back it up. He didn't have to be that tonight. So there is a trickle-down effect. Yes, you you want to be healthy going into the playoffs. The Packers are are pretty healthy right now overall. Tyler Irvin held out once again. A.J. Dillon working uh, uh, through the COVID system. And then injuries tonight to Corey Lindsley. That appears to be the most significant of the three. Alan Lazard, Darnell Savage also injured. Uh, Lazard was cleared to return but didn't. And Savage said uh, following the game it was a back issue, but he should be okay. We'll see on Corey Lindsley. We are certainly hopeful that he is okay. But Aaron mentioned it. The, the, the plan, the offensive scheme, dialed in tonight. Feels like it was against Indianapolis as well. It was uh, just sort of derailed by turnovers. Then a couple three and outs in that third quarter a week ago. But certain signs of progress since that game against Jacksonville a game the Packers won, but in hearing them speak following the game, you could tell they weren't very happy about the way it all played out. Felt like it should have been more crisp against Jacksonville. It was crisp against Indianapolis, just a couple of hiccups and ultimately a loss. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us here. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Some of the, uh, the numbers that really stand out. Uh, again, you're looking at this holistically. You know, number of first downs, things along that line, total yards, relatively even in this game. But just think about when the Bears were pressed into action. I had no choice. It was soft coverage in the fourth quarter by the Packers. Whether you like it or not, I know it can be frustrating, and it sort of skews the final score. 
But the Packers were looking to run clock, keep guys in bounds, play the underneath, not give up the explosive deep ball. Fine. Bears score 15 points in the fourth quarter, and it's still a blowout win for Green Bay. Those are the numbers that make things look a little bit more even than it really was. 182 yards on the ground for Green Bay, 122 for Chicago. 57 came on one play. Penalties, yeah, not an overly sloppy night for either team, but just three penalties for the Packers. If you consider the offensive line fluctuation, that's a pretty impressive total. Five penalties for the Bears for 45 yards. The biggest number, and it's not uncommon, time of possession, Green Bay held the ball for 37 minutes, and turnovers. Chicago had three turnovers on the night. A lost fumble that was returned to the house for a touchdown by Preston Smith, and two interceptions thrown. Not good decisions by Mitch Trubisky on either one of those occasions. I put that into the hopper. I mean, that's where it really stands out. Turnovers, they tell the story. You lose that battle, it's a good bet you're going to lose the game. Bears three turnovers to the Packers, zero. That's reflective of tonight's 41-25 win for the Packers. Plenty more to get to, including your comments and more at 855-616-1620. We'll dip back into the locker room, hear from Matt LaFleur, more from Aaron Rodgers as well. Green Bay gets the win, 41-25 to improve to 8-3, 4-1 at Lambeau Field. No place to travel for Green Bay coming up next week. A Week 13 contest against the Philadelphia Eagles is on tap. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. This season, Sargento donates $2,000 for every touchdown to fight hunger through Touchdowns for Hunger, benefiting Milwaukee's Hunger Task Force and Paul's Pantry in Green Bay. That means a donation tonight of 12000 bucks to Touchdowns for Hunger to fight hunger in Wisconsin. Sargento will continue to donate $2,000 per touchdown to Touchdowns for Hunger throughout the season. Sargento, the official cheese of the Green Bay Packers. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Greg Matzik with you until 1 o'clock. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Recapping a 41-25 win for the 8-3 Green Bay Packers. Will joins us next in Appleton. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Will. Hey, guys, I want to know what Rodgers needs to do to get himself back in the MVP conversation. Um, it seems like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes have, like, equal games to Rodgers, but almost not as great as Rodgers, and, and he can't get himself in that conversation again. I want to know what you guys think he needs to do to get himself in the MVP conversation. Uh, I don't think Russell Wilson's in that conversation anymore, Will. I, I think he had a stretch of, what, seven turnovers in three games? I mean, he was a mess for a little bit. Uh, I do not think he's in that conversation. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably the guy right now. Uh, I, look, it's great to talk about Aaron Rodgers in MVP talk, and his name belongs in that conversation. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is probably the lead dog right now. And just, I mean, It's just ridiculous. That guy's a video game. I, and Aaron's been unbelievable. I, this Aaron is playing as well as he has in his previous MVP seasons. Uh, maybe even at a higher level. I mean, it's just remarkable efficiency. Today the yardage doesn't really pop off. It didn't need to. Four touchdowns, got a big lead early, and were able to kind of glide to the finish. Uh, but by and large, you're talking about 30 touchdown passes, 70% completion rate, and the best quarterback rating in the NFL. Uh, that's just, that's incredible stuff. 
Patrick Mahomes' numbers are foolish. They are just mind-boggling. And if you watch them play uh, in the late afternoon contest, which was on in the Milwaukee market, I know, uh, that is, <laughs> it's just pretty impressive against a, a Tampa Bay defense that's been a little hit and miss. So I, I would just say keep doing what you're doing, right? I just He's performing at an MVP level. And he does need to perform at an MVP level for the Packers to get where they want to get. Uh, he does, right? Aaron has to be Aaron. He is a difference maker. And tonight is a clear example why it is so critical to get the quarterback position figured out. The Bears don't have it figured out. They haven't had it figured out in decades. And they don't have it figured out right now. And you saw four quarters worth of not having the quarterback position figured out tonight. You saw that on the Chicago side of the ball. You saw what it looks like to have a quarterback who's in control, calm, poised, veteran, future Hall of Famer. Not every team has that luxury. And it was a a stark contrast tonight at Lambeau Field. 41-25 the final. Uh, Aaron praising his offensive line as he already praised the scheme and uh, the play, the plan drawn up by Matt LaFleur. There is such a level of confidence when the Packers have the ball on offense. There were years where this offense was, hey, beat your guy one-on-one, get open, Aaron will find you the ball. Remember the back shoulder throw? Remember how popular that was in the Packers offense? Aaron and Jordy, just this magical chemistry, the back shoulder throw. James Jones, a back shoulder throw. Back shoulder throw is great, and it's, it's incredible when it works. And it looks beautiful. It is a reflection of chemistry. It's also, I think, in some cases, saying that, you know what? I don't think I can beat my guy in a deep route. We have to do a stop. We have to do a comeback. The scheme is getting players open more than players are being required to win one-on-one battles. That's the biggest difference in the Matt LaFleur offense. The motion, the way the scheme allows for guys to find space, with a quarterback who has seen pretty much everything and knows how to react, yeah, you're seeing that. I, the, the Packers' record is 8-3. and three. They are averaging about 30 points a game. Now, uh, keep in mind who the Packers have played this year. The Vikings, the Saints, the Buccaneers. Jacksonville's defense doesn't get the credit it deserves. Indianapolis and Chicago. They're pretty good defenses, right? Pretty good defenses, by and large. Green Bay hung 43 on Minnesota in week one. They hung 37 on New Orleans in week three. The Buccaneers game was by far the worst of the season. They hung 31 on Indianapolis, albeit in a loss, and 41 on Chicago. So they're doing business against the be- some of the better defenses in the NFL. Find me a defense you don't think the Packers can score on. Right? I, if... If you're talking about Pittsburgh, we're not going to see Pittsburgh until the Super Bowl, right? And I have to worry about that. Uh, New Orleans is definitely playing better on defense, no doubt about it. The Quan Alexander trade is is overlooked. It's being overlooked, and it shouldn't be. That guy is an amazing player. But it just gives you an idea where the Packers are on offense. They can't score on anybody. If they can hold on to the ball, yes, it may end up being a shootout the Packers get involved in. But you better score 30 if you're going to beat Green Bay. 
855-616-1620. Can we get back into the locker room? Greg Hill's producing the program tonight. Uh, any Matt LaFleur come down? Matt LaFleur is offering high praise to the way his offense have performed behind quarterback Aaron Rodgers in tonight's win. This is as good as I've ever seen anybody play. Uh, just his ability to go out there and, and get us in the right looks. And uh, shoot, even when I make a bad call, he, he, he definitely makes us look look good. So that's a credit to him. Uh, he is he is playing, in my, my eyes, is that he's an MVP player. No doubt about it. And I, w- I wouldn't want any other quarterback on our football team. It was kind of a short week uh, in terms of uh, how I was able to cover the team and others as well. So it wasn't dialed into how crisp the practice week was. That was a thing a couple of weeks ago. Remember, it wasn't uh, a great practice week. It ended up being a clunky performance uh, on that following Sunday. Uh, but Matt LaFleur offering praise for his team for what they did during the week, absorbing the plan and putting it to use on Sunday night football. Uh, it takes everybody, and and tonight I thought I was just really really proud of our guys' effort. Again, I thought the energy and focus all week was there, and it translated. And uh, we we need to continue to do that each and every week in order for us to be at our best. Five games left on the regular season schedule. You've got Detroit. You've got Chicago again. Carolina is four and eight, and on the schedule. Next weekend, it'll be the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town with just three wins. Amazingly, still alive in the NFC East. And then, of course, a very challenging matchup against the 8-3 and three Tennessee Titans. So, still more than a quarter of the season left to go. The Packers are in fine position at 8-3, and three, but plenty of room on this schedule. The one thing you can count on in this league is you can't take anything for granted. Because if you do, you're going to get beat. And so, we'll always keep the focus, not only... We're always going to keep the focus on ourselves, but uh, who it is exactly that we're playing that that very week. And, uh, yes, this was a clean victory for the Packers. A couple things that stand out. Yeah, there was a missed extra point. Uh, you'd like to see maybe a little bit more pressure on an offensive line that was uh, somewhat beat up tonight. And you also had a 57-yard run early on by David Montgomery. The run defense still, I think, is uh, a bit of a question mark and uh, plenty of opportunities to get that figured out before the playoffs come. So I, there will always be things that Matt LaFleur can find that could use tweaking. Uh, even when you have a good performance, there's always areas to improve upon. And I know our guys, they, they know that the the expectations are extremely high here, and um, I wouldn't want it any other way. And so uh, until we till we get that perfect game, we're going to continue to to coach our butt off and our players are going to keep working to try to get better and better and better. But I thought all in all, it was a pretty good performance uh, throughout the entire course or, you know, the entirety of the game. A reminder that Fleet Farm is proud to support Salute to Service. We honor our brave military members and veterans and thank them for their service. Yes, we do. Thank you to one and all. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Tonight's hardest working player of the game is presented by Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Buy online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in the convenient drive-thru. You don't even need to get out of the car. Robert Tunyon, Packers tight end, today's hardest working player of the game. The Blaine's Farm and Fleet, hardest working player of the game tonight. Five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown for Tunyon. 
39-yard touchdown grab, targeted five times. Anytime the ball went Tunyon's direction, he was able to bring it in. He's been a bit of a revelation for the Packers. Not that we hadn't heard his name before, Robert Tunyon, but he's come into his own. And I have to believe the injury to Josiah DeGuara opened the door for Tunyon to step into a larger role in Matt LaFleur's offense. It felt to me like it was sort of interchangeable. Things that we saw Josiah DeGuara do when healthy, the rookie tight end out of Cincinnati, Robert Tunyon settled into as the season started to you know, started to get down to, you know, through that first quarter. So he's really come on here, 391 yards, receiving six touchdowns, uh, on the year, and uh, it's been impressive. Just been a very impressive season for Robert Tunyon, and uh, it does take time. Find me a rookie tight end who really explodes in the NFL. It very rarely happens. I don't know the reason why specifically. It just is not common, even first-round picks. Uh, but Tunyon, now in his third season, has been a very integral part of the Packers' offense, averaging over 12 yards per reception. You absolutely take that. Just another weapon for Aaron Rodgers to work with on that Packers offense. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Got about a half hour left to go tonight. Let's chat with Jack in Appleton on Packers OT. Hi, Jack. How you doing? Uh, I had a quick observation and question um, about the game tonight. So I've been noticing the Packers in the, at the end of the first half a couple times this year when they've had an opportunity to may, maybe take a deep shot at the end zone, they've selected to kneel down. And I figured in this you know analytics age that the odds would be in the favor of that working versus you know the other team running it back for a, for a touchdown or something. So I was wondering what you guys thought about them not them and other teams not selecting to take a deep shot at the end of the first half a lot of times this year. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. You know, I'd have to count back, uh, Jack, how many times the, the Packers were in that situation to, you know, just let it rip. Uh, I, I know on a couple of occasions they've been able to score uh, right near the half or as time expired and then doubled up and started the second half with the ball. That actually worked in the Bears' favor tonight. They got the score and uh, just seconds left on the clock. I, I think part of it tonight is just a, a comfortable lead. Right, I, I think that that makes sense to me. It's you, your defense is doing overall pretty good job. You know, twenty-seven to ten lead at the half. Uh, you're okay with that. You sit on it, uh, even though you don't start the second half of the ball. I, I, I don't. I didn't have any issue with that particular decision tonight. The Packers' offense was absolutely clicking. I, I don't think there was any reservation from Matt Lafleur at getting things untracked in the second half. I don't think Matt LaFleur thought Mitch Trubisky was going to beat him, uh, in all honesty. Uh, so tonight, I felt like every decision made paid off. Right? Where do you find flaw in, I don't know, play call, decision-making, timeout use? I, right? I just You win that convincingly with that efficient of a performance on offense with a fluctuating offensive line due to injury. Uh, you get a defensive score, three turnovers, a couple of sacks. Yeah, put it all into the hopper. It's a, That's a complete win. For the Packers tonight, an absolute complete win. What does it mean in terms of the NFC? So, if you look at the way the NFC is shaping up, it is a bit of a jumbled mess and an entertaining one if you're an NFL fan. If you were to ask who the best team is in the NFC after the first quarter of the season, I might have said the Packers. After seven games, I might have said Seattle. After 
10 games, I might have said Tampa Bay. After 13 games, I might say New Orleans. Yeah, the Rams were getting hot, and then they lost to the 49ers. The Cardinals were getting hot. Remember that Hail Mary win over the Bills? They've lost back-to-back heartbreakers. So like, I'm not saying you can't take any team seriously, but it seems like when a team starts to get it moving and starts to get that momentum built, they get smacked. They lose. Something happens. Crazy game. Emotional loss. Blown out. We've seen it all in the NFC. And I don't know that seeding and home field advantage really makes as big of a difference this year as it has in years past. Uh, Granted, it could be, you know, four degrees in Lambeau in January, and I would like to think the Packers know what that's all about. And if New Orleans had to come to Green Bay, okay, I'll take that. Any dome team coming to Green Bay in January, there's a bit of home field advantage in that. But identifying the best team in the NFC, that's a trick, man. So the Saints are 9-2. and two. They've won eight in a row. They've won back-to-back games with uh, quarterback slash tight end slash receiver slash running back in Taysom Hill, and it's it's worked. Doesn't have good passing numbers, but hasn't really needed to. The Buccaneers have lost back-to-back games. Seattle, they're 7-3. and three. We'll see them tomorrow. The Rams were getting hot, and then they lost to the 49ers, as I mentioned. So... It's still, to me, a very wide-open NFC. So the Packers' win tonight assures them a three-game pad in the NFC North division with five games to play. Not saying it's over, but I like Green Bay's chances to win the division. That is not a worry to me. Seeding? Yeah, I think it. if you're going to get that one week by... Is it better than the alternative of, of playing a, a home game at Lambeau in, in early January, depending on the opponent and what the path to the Super Bowl is, potentially? All I know is this. At this time last year, the 49ers were, to me, by far and away, the best team in the NFC. They had the most complete team. They could run the ball on anybody. They could be explosive on offense if need be. Offensive mind, a sharp one in that, and Kyle Shanahan and they had horses all over the place on defense. They were the best team in the NFC, and it, it, it looked like it. This year, I don't know. There's a few teams that, on any given day, including the Packers, can steamroll anybody. But there isn't a team in the NFC without a loss that makes you scratch your head, and that should lead for an incredibly exciting playoffs. And I did check the rules, uh, but there will be a team from the NFC East in the playoffs this year. Yeah, that's just it's it's the rules. Uh, right now, that team would be the New York Giants with a record of four and seven. Unbelievable. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. A reminder that Sartori Cheese donates a thousand dollars to the Make a Wish Foundation of Wisconsin for every field goal by Green Bay. A donation of a thousand dollars tonight will be made to the Make a Wish Foundation of Wisconsin. Packers OT continues, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Greg Matzik with you until 1 o'clock, 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us here, about uh, a little less than 20 minutes left to go on the program. Complete win for the Packers, maybe the most complete of the season, and and it comes against a lesser opponent, as we discussed earlier. It's a game the Packers belonged winning and deserved to win. 
But we've seen those situations play out before where, on paper, the Packers are the superior team. They should absolutely run away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then they sort of barely hang on to win and require a fourth-quarter touchdown to take the lead and ultimately salt the game away. I, it was it was an interesting dynamic, just listening to the players speak following that game. It was a win, but it was among the more disappointed I've heard Matt LaFleur and certain members of the team following a game, certainly following a win. You could tell the mood was different following last week's loss to Indianapolis, in which it felt to me like the Packers' offense had found something. And Aaron Rodgers talked about that after the game. There, there, there was something there that, that worked. And turnovers, that was a problem. And there were other problems in that game. Tonight was maybe the most complete game the Packers played this season against a team that I don't believe will be in the playoffs, even if the field is expanded even further. A team that is certainly struggling at quarterback. What do you do with a struggling quarterback who hasn't started a game in several weeks? I'll drop him back 46 times. That is a recipe for disaster for the Chicago Bears. And credit the Packers for forcing Matt Nagy's hand a little bit with Mitch Trubisky. This is a game the Packers belonged winning, just as they belong winning next weekend against Philadelphia and the week after that against Detroit. Things get a little interesting. Carolina's a little up and down. They are 4-8, and eight, more down than up. And then, of course, Tennessee, and you close out the season with Chicago. So one truly playoff-worthy opponent exists on the Packers' schedule before the end of the season. Feels like that's a game that you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but it's hard to ignore that game on the schedule. And I know it'll mean a lot to Matt LaFleur, who has some ties that go back to Tennessee. That's a team the Packers need to prove they can beat. They beat New Orleans in the first quarter of the season, beating a team like Tennessee in the final quarter of the season as a launching point into the final week of the regular season and ultimately the playoffs. Man, not to be too far ahead of ourselves again. But that would be impressive. John in Milwaukee joins us on Packers OT. Hello, John. Good morning. Love the, love the show. I just have one question for you. I just wanted to get your thoughts. You know, uh, a little while ago, you played a soundbite with Matt LaFleur saying that uh, he would want no other quarterback in there except for Aaron Rodgers, which is, of course, you would say that. But then why did we draft one? You know, our, our offense has been a juggernaut for 10 years. You know, Aaron Rodgers passed the ball around to four different receivers, four different touchdowns, four different receivers today. And I just don't understand why the general office can't figure out the beef of the defense. I think two years ago we put $158 million in the defense, and I was like, finally, we're getting some defensive players. What do you think? Uh, It certainly hasn't been a lack of draft capital spent on defense. John, that's for sure. Just look at how the drafts have played out. The Packers have sunk significant draft capital into their defense. I mean, significant. Uh, And it's it's hit and miss. I mean, that's just kind of how the draft is. It's always hit and miss. Um, The Smiths were a revelation last year for Mike Pettin's defense. There was an identity last year, and the Packers are still built to stop the pass, uh, because it allows them to get to the quarterback more so than they are the run. I, they are still susceptible to the run. We saw a little hint of that tonight. And that could be a problem down the road, especially against a team like Tennessee, into the playoffs if the conditions are what they could be, especially at Lambeau Field in January. And yes, a team may look to run the ball on the Green Bay Packers. 
They've been able to do that on occasion this year. Uh, I have no doubt that Matt LaFleur is enamored with the play of Aaron Rodgers and would prefer no other quarterback on the field other than Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Jordan Love was drafted, but I guarantee you Matt LaFleur does not want to see Jordan Love on the field now, this year, present time. He hasn't been active for a game all season. So, I mean, I get your point. Uh, And all I can say about the Jordan Love pick is time will tell. Packers feel like they found their guy for down the road. So they went with him. Much the same way the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers in 2005. A little different in that uh, the time was, was ticking on Brett Favre in Green Bay. Who knows how long Aaron Rodgers wants to play. Certainly has not shown any signs of slowing down. In fact, he's gaining steam here in year number two of Matt LaFleur's offense. Really impressive stuff to watch. 855-616-1620. Time for a couple more phone calls to get to on the other side. We'll go back through the numbers of tonight's game and get you into the locker room as well as we wrap up Packers OT. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Pat Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get no money down, no payments, and no interest for 24 months. Plus, save 5%, 5% same-day order savings. Wow, great stuff. That at your initial consultation. For details, visit PellaWI.com. Wrapping up Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. I'm Greg Matzik. Thanks for hanging with me into Monday morning. Bob and Elkhart Lake joins us on Packers OT. Hello, Bob. Hi. I just want to say how uh, much of a joy it is to watch uh, Robert Tunyon, Bobby Tunyon, uh, doing what he's doing because uh, I'm, he's a local boy, McHenry, Illinois. That's where I'm from. Uh, he was high school uh, quarterback, and then he went to Indiana State, wide receiver. Now he's just growing and growing and growing, and it's, it's great to see. I know the dude can catch. I, I can guarantee that. Well, he can run a little bit too, Bob, right? And that, that's why the Packers were oh. so enamored with him a couple of years ago. It just it took a little while to get on track. I know he had a couple injury issues as well, but here he is in year number three. Blocking, and I think, was his problem. Oh, that's part of it too. I think he was, yeah. But I remember him in high school. He could dunk from like the free throw line in two steps, you know? <laughs> it was like a gazelle. And that was, those kind of things stick out, you know? I mean, everybody's got special things, but it's just. Cool to watch a local boy doing good. Yeah, no doubt about it. So. Thanks for the phone call, Bob. And it's just, he's become a critical component to the Packers' offense. I mean, he was a guy, I, he's been overlooked a little bit and unheralded. And you draft Jay Sternberger and you draft uh, Josiah DeGuara. And you're wondering if Tunyon's maybe the odd man out uh, in that situation. And he's been the revelation of the group. Uh, and again, it's it's tough for rookie tight ends to really make a significant impact in year number one. It takes a little bit. I, it just does. Uh, but the Packers are using their tight ends and getting the most out of them. Good blocking with Mercedes Lewis. Tunyon's been a field stretcher uh, and a critical component to the Packers' offense. It cannot be overlooked. He has been among the better tight ends in the NFC. Uh, not from a yards perspective necessarily, but from a uh, a touchdown perspective, point production. Yeah, Robert Tunyon has, has had himself a nice season. No doubt about that. Uh, some of the numbers from tonight's game as uh, we look at Robert Tunyon, who 
actually led the team in receiving tonight. Five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown, a long of 39. That was a long play of the game for the Packers tonight. Devontae Adams got off to a pretty hot start. Uh, it cooled a little bit in the second half. Green Bay with really no significant reason to keep passing the ball. Six receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown for Adams. Seems like he always has a touchdown. Alan Lazard, four receptions, 23 yards, and a touchdown. Mercedes Lewis also finding the end zone. Four touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers on the night. Equinemia St. Brown gets into the box score with two receptions and 39 yards. No MVS tonight. We did see him on the field. I know there was a bit of a hiccup in practice with injury. I'd have to look at to see what his snap count is. Uh, but it seemed to me, I, I know he's on the field for a little bit, but it seemed to me maybe EQ got a little bit of the run that uh, MVS would have gotten uh, at times in this game, especially on that little end-around run play, uh, which EQ is certainly well-equipped to handle. Uh, I, just, I have to go back and look at the snap count, consider MVS's injury. Uh, that had to be a factor in his playing time tonight. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers, 21 of 29, 211 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, uh, quarterback rating. I don't know how you calculate a quarterback rating, but I know 132 is really good, and that's where Rodgers was tonight. Defensively, you know, touchdown scored by the defense in Preston Smith. Adrian Amos, the leading tackler tonight, also had a couple of sacks on the evening, one from Preston Smith, one from Kamal Martin, one from Zadarius Smith. So three sacks, three turnovers. And a touchdown for the Packers' defense. Oh, by the way, I also think they won the special teams battle. So uh, about as complete a win as you can imagine for the Packers tonight. And you don't take anything for granted. Uh, The Eagles are not a terribly good team. You'll see them tomorrow night against Seattle in a battle of the birds on Monday Night Football. The next team the Packers will face will be featured tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. And they have three wins. Yet it was a team that beat Green Bay in Green Bay a year ago in prime time. In fact, that was Matt LaFleur's first loss as head coach of the Packers. It came last season against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sure Green Bay remembers that particular game. So that's what's on tap here for the Packers as they look to at least maintain their three-game advantage over the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears, who are both 5-6. and six. Uh, Elsewhere around the NFC, teams that you have to keep paying attention to right now uh, obviously, the Saints have rattled off eight in a row. They're in fine position in their own division. And with Tampa Bay having lost back-to-back games now, a little separation here for the New Orleans Saints in the NFC South division. A 9-2 and record. Tampa Bay has a record of 7-5. and New Orleans also owns the tiebreaker. Seattle Seahawks at 7-3. and We'll see them tomorrow against Philadelphia, as I mentioned. They currently lead the Rams by a half game. Los Angeles inexplicably falling to the 49ers earlier today. Boy, it seemed like the team that was getting hot in the NFC was the Rams. Good balance on offense and defense. Well, they fall to the 49ers. 49ers will likely not be a playoff team this year with a record of 5-6, and six, but who knows? Strange things could happen here in the NFC. Uh, but a comfortable position here for the Packers going into, well, not quite, uh, the next quarter of the season plus one game. 45-21, the final. Packers picking up the win. I'm sorry, 41-25, the final. Packers picking up the win over Chicago tonight. Looking forward to next weekend's matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a 325 kick 
from Lambeau Field. And oh, by the way, a little bit later this season, you may have seen it prior to Thanksgiving, the Packers match up against the Carolina Panthers uh, ticketed for prime time. It'll be a Saturday night affair. Saturday, December 19th. Keep it in mind, Saturday game is coming mid-December. The NFL is looking to take over every day of the week they can. We get it. We understand. And why not? It's the best in reality television. 4125 the final. Thanks for being a part of our program each and every night. Thanks coordinating producer Greg Hill, executive producer of the Packers Radio Network, Ashton Rotman, and you for joining us each and every evening. Enjoy the rest of your night. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This has been a presentation of the Packers Radio Network.